0: and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor-scholars dig into the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, and equipping especially for pastors and teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach Systematic Theology and Spiritual Formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Amanda Drury, one of our regular guests here on Fresh Texts and a professor of practical theology and youth ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University, as well as the director of the Imaginarium and a number of other uh, neat things that she is up to, and also my wife. Uh, This week's text is Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already so you never miss a show. And as you're listening, if you enjoy the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show on to others so they may benefit as well. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Amanda. Um, Who wants to read and who wants to pray? I'll read. Awesome. You read, and I'll say a word of prayer after that, and then we'll uh, we'll jump in. All right. Exodus 17, verses
1: 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord Mm -hmm. commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so, in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we ask that your word would be at work among us this hour, that the text that stands before us, and Amanda and myself and everyone listening in across space and time, that during this hour, Your word would spring forth that it may be heard and received in faith. We dare to ask this, for we know that the kingdom of God is not a matter of mere words, but of power. And so it is by your Holy Spirit that human words are somehow mysteriously also the very word of God spoken and heard. So, we really do want to encounter the Word of God this hour. So, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is your incarnate Word. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, what jumps out at you as we read this old text afresh? What jumps out at you today?
1: I'm struck by how often this seems to happen. <laughs> whether it's food or water or uh, something's going wrong, the Israelites complain, God responds. Um, It just, it has me wondering if if there are times when God seems to respond without the Israelites complaining, or is this the way that they're getting God's attention?
0: Hmm. The complaint and the quarrel is directed right at Moses. Mm -hmm. Interestingly here, there will be times in, in numbers when they start to, I mean, it's just interesting that you say they complain, but, you know, who's their complaint directed towards, you know, is as far as they know that their interactions with God are kind of dependent on Moses. So they quarrel with Moses and that's their mode of of quarreling with God. Right. So the line that comes at the end is they tested the Lord.
1: Right. Right. So I'm curious if if they hadn't quarreled, would they still have gotten the water? (laughs) I mean, it seems like they're thirsty. They ask about water. They're complaining about it. God gives it to them. But Moses is troubled, saying that God's been tested in all of this. And uh, it just makes me wonder, what are the Israelites supposed to do in order to get water? Is it just supposed to be some kind of humble petition? Uh, this this trust that it's just going to come without us saying anything? Because as far as they know, the the chapter earlier, they complained about being hungry. They got food. So now they're thirsty. Okay, complain about being thirsty, and then you get water.
0: Your question is and this might not be where you're going, but I mean you're implicitly challenging the assumption that the grumbling is uh, bad, right? We mm-hmm. tend to always preach on it that way, right? right. Stupid Israelites, right? Which is kind of maybe how Moses sees it, <laughs>
1: uh huh.
0: But it's opening up the possibility that the Lord sees this at least uh, in a more subtle manner. This is this is prayer,
1: right? Right. right.
0: Registering a complaint to God, you know, I mean, the whole action of Exodus starts with the Lord appearing to Moses and saying, I have heard the cries of the people. Yeah. So the notion that, you know, the great acts of God are in response to the cries of his people is it's integral to the whole story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I just don't know what the alternative is here.
0: Does the story imply that there should be?
1: No. No. No, but I'm thinking if, if I'm going – if I am from the mindset that they shouldn't have been complaining that this is a problem, then, I, then I've got to wrestle with the question, well, then what what should they have done? What's the alternative here then to those complaints?
0: Well, I suppose the second complaint is a little bit more extreme, right? Verse uh, 3, um, why did you bring us up out of Egypt yeah. to kill us and our children? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is a little
1: <laughs> – That doesn't indicate trust.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I think your original instinct is, uh, I mean, you know, we need to drink. Give us water to drink.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just asking for help. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? This is, I mean, it's a long-standing sort of problem in interpretation. Is when there's a kind of main character, our default is to take their perspective. Yeah. Right. But if, if you were to ask whose perspective is definitive in a narrative outside the scriptures, Mm -hmm. just any novel or whatever, it's, it's the narrator. That, that, that's who gets, right? Right. Some priority over the individual characters. Even if there is a main character, it's assumed that the main character doesn't always see things right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, but that's hard for us in the scriptures because we have, they're heroes of the faith. Right. So it's, it's very, you know, uh, we just assume that Moses knows what he's talking about here. But, you know, it's not impossible as a reading that you're, I think, suggesting today um, that uh, Mo- Moses took this personally when they were just asking <laughs> for water. <laughs> like, what if my child came up to me and said, you right. know, give me a drink of water. And I said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Now it does say the people quarreled with Moses and yeah. said, so, so there's at least some rebellion here. So I'm not, I'm not going to let them off the hook completely, but I'm definitely open to, to what you're suggesting that this is kind of the sensible thing to do when you're in the desert Sure, is ask for some water. But
1: then like you pointed out, verse three takes it a step further. So if my children then came up to me and said, you know, why are you trying to kill me? Okay. Then I'm, then I'm thinking of they're being dr- dramatic, of course, I'm going to give you water uh that that pushes it to a new level here,
0: and how does Moses reply? Cries to the Lord, What, what shall I do, do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. <laughs> you know yeah yeah well you've you've introduced a very i mean just the recognition that the great signs and wonders. That God performs for them in the wilderness are themselves, uh, responses to not just the needs of the people, but the, the neediness of the people. Right. Right. And
1: I think you could read their complaints as a lament. You know, we see stuff like this in in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. You know, God's forgotten to be kind. He slammed the door on His compassion. His promises have turned to curses.
0: And then the lament goes up the chain of command. Yeah, because then Moses laments to the Lord, "I, I can't. They're out of control." <laughs> you know, right? Um, help. <laughs> <laughs> and and the inter the intervention of the Lord is as much a favor to Moses as it, it is to them.
1: Then, right? It is. And ironically, the same, the same logic that Moses might have, don't complain, trust the Lord, could be applied to him as well. Don't complain, Moses, trust the Lord. <laughs> you can almost see them doing the same thing.
0: Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord?
1: And the first time, let's, let me just make sure I've got this right here. The first time they quarrel, he just talks to them. As far as we know, he's not saying anything to God yet on their behalf. And so then they come to him a second time, and that's when he brings it before the Lord. So I wonder if he would have brought it to the Lord during that first complaint, if the second one would have even happened. I mean, this could be a failure of leadership here in terms of they made a need mm-hmm. known. He just kind of pushed them off, and and it just built built up.
0: Yeah, I, I could see the possibility of the failure. But even just at first glance, there's a part of me that sees at least some... There's at least some insight in Moses's part here. So for fun, I'll push back and then we'll take a break and come back and see where it goes. But I do wonder, I mean, the testing of the Lord Mm -hmm. is not merely, you know, having a bad day and complaining about it. Right. It's it's there is an implicit demand. I mean, they say, give us water to drink. Yeah. So we're in a place where there's no water. It seems clear to me that what's implied is they're saying, well, you you're friends with God. (laughs) <laughs> talk to god and have him give us some magic water just like he gave us magic bread yesterday right. or or last chapter right. i don't know how much time has passed it doesn't it doesn't have an exact time reference here but 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 at least in terms of the narrative logic of exodus right they were saved from the the red sea happens in you know 1415 then they then they're hungry and they get to eat right and right. then they're at a new place where they need water and and there is a kind of what have you done for us lately you know <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: uh yeah, man is man is one thing, but where's the, you know, uh, you know? Now we're thirsty.
1: And if you look at that first verse, there, um, from the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. So as, as far as they know, they're 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 following the rules. Mm-hmm. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and there's no water. The as the Lord commanded part, I think, is interesting.
0: Which is what makes. A lament, uh, a fitting term to introduce here, because laments aren't just "God, my life's bad, make it good," mm-hmm. uh, or "You owe me a good life." It's a little bit more specific. It's we have been faithful, and yet, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're doing this to us anyway. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's almost a kind of job-like character to it, at least in their minds. You know, we're just doing what we were told. You know, although even still, they, there's, that's from the narrative narrator's point of view, right? According to the commandment of the Lord, uh, which to them has been communicated through Moses.
1: Sure. So as
0: far as they know, <laughs> this is all just Moses yep, scheme. Yep. They they have to take Moses word for it that he's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, they don't, they've gotten all these signs. They've mm-hmm. gotten the signs that confirm that Moses is legit, but you know, yesterday's signs don't do the trick for today. Well, let's take a quick break and, uh, and come back and uh, dig in a little more, more deeply. Hey there, everyone. I wanted to introduce you to two good friends of mine who you hear me mention and thank at the end of every show. Todd Bouchon and Eric Fisher.
2: Hey, this is Eric, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening. It's been a real pleasure of mine for sure to help get this podcast running and off the ground. When John first came to me, actually more than a year ago, it took us a while to get it started, but once we did, uh, it's been consistent week in, week out, and now we're past uh, a year, and it's been so exciting to see it grow. Hi, this is Todd, and I just wanted to take the time to reiterate what Eric said and to thank all the listeners out there for taking the time to listen to the show and to interact with John. It's been a real pleasure. Eric and I both consider uh, the work that we do for Fresh Text an extension of the ministry that is Fresh Text. This being said, as the show grows, it's taken more and more time out of uh, our already busy schedules.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted Todd and Eric to jump on the mic, um, and it's to make an ask of you that you would support the show not only through sharing and subscribing, and as we always say, but through uh, financial support to donate uh, a little bit just to help with the uh, overhead cost of equipment and of uh, site hosting and to compensate these gentlemen for their time and work. I Love doing this show. It's basically the hallway conversations I would have anyway with my scholar friends and pastor friends, and I'm going to keep doing it for free, but uh, I would like to not just record the show, but actually have you be able to hear it, and that requires... (laughs) The work that Todd and Eric do, the stuff that I just don't know how to do, all the back end stuff that they do. As I say at the end of every show, I can't imagine doing this show without them. And so, uh, what's the there's a link uh, somehow that they can do this.
2: Yeah, right? so we've <laughs> we've made it really easy for you to do this. All you need to do is head over to paypal.me slash fresh text podcast. Make sure you do that when you're not driving, if you're happen to be listening to this, you know, on a commute of some sort. <laughs> And again, any donation is greatly appreciated. We're not asking for big money. Any small amount that you can give, it's simple enough. You just click on that link, paypal.me forward slash fresh text podcast. Or again, click on the link in the show notes and you can give at any amount. Any amount is appreciated and helps us to continue the ministry and keep bringing you great preaches and great weeks.
0: And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with uh, Amanda Drury, and we're looking at Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. And I see you laughing there. What do you, what do you see? Well,
1: well I, I'm looking at verses 4 and 5 when, you know, Moses is crying out to the Lord. He says, they're almost ready to stone me. And the first thing the Lord tells Moses to do is to walk back through the people.
2: <laughs> huh.
1: You know, go in front of these people that that almost want to kill you, Moses. Uh, and And... It, it just seems kind of funny, kind of scary that, that that's the, the order this is going in. Do you see that? Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, save me from these people, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, go back in front of the people. So either through or, mm-hmm. or before them, it could mm-hmm. be pass on before the people, but very much publicly, right. Do this act and take with you some of the elders of Israel. And this is a sort of, interpretive question. I have a couple interpretive questions about five that I'd like to explore. So starting with that one, you know, why the you know not send a message Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and go get some elders, right? But but pass back through them. No, that's great. He puts them in puts them at risk. Right. Uh, But then the 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 selecting of elders, what what's the importance of that? Uh, Why is it why is it important to the Lord that Moses takes some of the elders with him, do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Well, it spreads out the responsibility <laughs> i mean this is this is a heavy mantle for Moses for Moses to have on him uh shows a certain solidarity, I think,
0: yeah, this word jethro that's in the next chapter, the kind of oh, dividing sure. up okay of into groups of 50 and what have you. And so this is, this is a sort of early anticipation of that, actually of a kind of involving some other leaders. Right. So you're not the only one they're mad at. (laughs)
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's got a um, Elijah. I'm the only one left. (laughs) These people want to stone me. And God say, no, no, there's, there's a, there's a small mass here for you. Although we don't know how the elders felt about this.
0: Yeah. I wonder if they're also witnesses then. Right? Mm-hmm. Because he, they're going to go sure. out to the rock. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it. The people will drink. Right? And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, which I guess implies that not all the people are watching the water gush out. Right. Right. So, right. Um, which then, f- Again, maybe I'm reading too much in here, but it does seem to imply a, a clear indication that Moses himself is not the one providing the water. It's the elders um, are also not doing it. But the elders can bear witness to the people that, no, the Lord provided. Right. The Lord provided the water. Not Mo- not Moses. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord the Lord provides. I mean, that's precisely what happens. I can't help it. you are going to have to look here to look at numbers where we have this parallel incident
1: numbers 20 or 33
0: let's find out see it's sword drill so you can get there first
1: okay i don't know what
0: chapter is i don't remember i just know what happens uh
1: numbers chapter 20 starting with verse
0: 2 yeah so now there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves together against moses and against aaron Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and the people quarreled with moses and said would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. This is after there was a bunch of perishing earlier with the snakes and all that. Yeah. Um, why have you brought the assembly load into the wilderness that we would die here, both we and our cattle? Same kind of question, right? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or pomegranates and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went to the presence of the assembly, the entrance of the tent of meeting, and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. Interestingly, it's a whole assembly now, not just the elders. And said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock for you? We... (laughs) Yeah. Not the Lord, we Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. Right, which is not what the Lord said. The Lord said, Take your staff, right? But speak Hmm. to the rock. Right? Right. Water came out abundantly, the congregation drank in their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters at Meribah, where the people quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So it's the same place, maybe, question mark? Right? It's the same word, Meribah, right. right? Although this other place has one name. The story is like almost identical, but then has these really important differences. Um, tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Hmm. But no, he strikes it. Just like the last time, the previous time in our passage, Exodus 17, God instructs him to strike it. Yes. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's nothing significant about that at all, but how's it striking you, the comparison?
1: Well, I'm struck by by the Lord's words to Moses at the end of it. Uh-huh. I just lost my spot here. The, um because you did not trust in me to show my holiness before the eyes of the Israelites. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given them. Mm -hmm. So, and this one, it seems like, like Moses isn't, isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing there. Whereas Exodus 17 sounds more like appear is presented as a failure of the people.
0: Well, and this is crucial, right? Because in the end, Moses uh, is not just an individual. He represents the people, Mm -hmm. you know, and, the tension between the congregation and Moses and Aaron uh, is, of course, heightened in numbers. You right. know, there's this series of rebellions and the 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 rebellion of Korah and all that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the Lord's offer to, you know, uh, <laughs> we we'll just kill him off and I'll yeah, start a new yeah. family with you. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like the closeness of Moses and the loneliness of Moses in his. Friendship with God as he's alienated from the people is so much more uh accentuated in numbers mm-hmm. in a way that in Exodus we're just getting the first inklings of. Right. Um, and he called, of course, it's Moses that names it that, right? He called, Moses na- called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? <laughs> So he calls it the place of testing and the place of quarreling. Right. And those are important, the double name, the Masa and the marabah because the testing, the Masa of testing is the testing of the Lord. But the marabah, the quarreling, is the quarreling with him.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right? yeah. And
0: and, uh, and the fact of the matter is, is <laughs> you know, they can be quarreling with him as they do in numbers, but then he himself can fail, you know, his own test of faith, as happens later. Right here he follows the instructions of the Lord exactly. Right. Right. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. That was the other thing I wanted to ask your opinion about. Why is it important for the the Lord here speaking and the narrator include this kind of backwards uh, reference to the Nile? I don't know. Do you have any I'm not fishing for something. Sure. i was just. I. I didn't notice that ever before yeah. until, you know, this time.
1: Well, it sounds like a remember command.
0: Yeah, you've seen what I can do. Yeah,
1: yeah. Remember, remember what we did with this stick. Yeah. <laughs> remember how we parted a whole sea. Watch. It can certainly get a little bit of water for you.
0: That makes the numbers seem all the more striking, right? Because the Lord says, "Pick up the staff, right?" But don't. I'm not asking you to to use it. The old mm,
1: way. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. Just right.
0: I want you to speak just to use the words, you know, um, to trust me and to follow my instructions precisely.
1: <laughs> yeah. You wonder if it's a weaning off uh-huh. of, of, of these crutches.
0: It's exactly what I was thinking of. It's not the staff. The staff is not what does it. It's not Moses. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not any magic words. You know. Um, same with the elders, right? They're here to see it in yeah. principle. It could have been any one of them.
1: Right. Right.
0: They could pick up the staff and mm-hmm. hit it. Yeah. It's like there's, you can almost see that there's the formation of people happening here at different levels, right? There's the formation of the whole people
1: uh-huh.
0: in God's compassion to provide for them even though they're whining.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right.
0: And then there's the beginnings of the formation of the leaders in the bringing of the elders, that they become witnesses to what the Lord is doing, both to, we talked about the humbling side of it, of them recognizing that it's God doing the work, not Moses. The The flip side of it is the exalting of like, don't mess with this guy. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, like he's the guy. Right. So it's kind of both. It's both supporting Moses, but also uh, bringing attention to, to the Lord more, more, more so. Mm-hmm. And then the formation of Moses as the leader of the people um, to, you know, to, to follow the instructions of the Lord, you know, precisely.
1: Right. This is this is going back some, but. Go ahead. When Moses is talking to the Lord, he never asks him for water.
0: <laughs> I missed it.
1: You know what? Shall You're I right. do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. He's he still isn't bringing their request to the Lord.
0: <laughs> so the narrative is very—it's longer, and so that's a, a factor. But there are some subtle differences then in the bread story in the previous chapter. That could be relevant to Uh, our interpretation, uh, right? Because in there, the opening lines, it's that the whole congregation, the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. People said, would that we have died in there? You know, we had meat, meat pots and ate bread to the full, but you brought us out here to kill us with hunger. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord said to Moses, so the Lord initiates the conversation. Right. Behold, I'm about to rain bread. Tell them, he says in verse eight, you know you Know, pass it on and tell them that your grumbling is not against us, it's uh, against the Lord, hmm. right? Right, so just to uh, maybe we don't want to make too much of that of this, but I think there's some you know, there, there's there's kind of two ways that it can play out. You can, verse, you know, chapter 16 is the people are crying out to Moses and to God for help, and God responds directly and commands Moses. He said, I mean, opening line is, I'm going to rain bread up from heaven on them. Mm-hmm. Like basically, I am going to solve this problem and you're exclusively functioning as prophet. You're going to tell them what's to come so that they know that it's not a coincidence, but a plan. Yeah. Right. Whereas in 17, it's more what you're talking about, how they're, they're complaining to him. And then he's turning around and sort of, asking the Lord to save his neck, right? Which is interesting contrast. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it, but
1: I think it could be really interesting to take all of the signs and wonders that Moses does and, yeah. and, and, chart them out and ask, what are the people doing? What are they asking? Who initiates mm-hmm. the conversation? Cause I wonder if we would see a pattern, uh, of, of, of how God is forming this people. Or, or a trajectory, rather.
0: That's a classic case of, like, a thing that's, like... Uh, this is just a little meta comment. But it's, like, one of those things that's, like, a great idea and I would love to have been able to, like, <laughs> share the results uh, with our audience. Um, but <clears throat> I guess it's an opportunity to just say, like, for anyone listening, you know, for, for all those who are listening in, anyone listening in, everyone, um, if you ever kind of, like, wonder how it is that... Um, you know, preachers and Bible scholars and such, folks like us, like, where do you guys get all this stuff? You know what I mean? When we have these ideas, you know, a lot of it comes from stuff like that. You know, you have a hunch of a pattern Mm -hmm. and then you just spend the time watching it play out, you know, and sometimes when we're having these, uh, uh, sometimes a fresh text episode, one or both of the people on on the episode are, I've already done that work with a book, you sure. know? Yeah. And so then when we just spout it, like it's just known. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I, I wonder sometimes if our listeners ever kind of like, be like where are they getting this stuff? Like, where, you know, and it's, it's literally like that kind of an insight and then just spending the time to do it. You right. Know? It'd be a, a whole lot of radio silence to go do that right now <laughs> on the fly. Um, although again, you know, the, 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 parallel in numbers I think is the most relevant one there it follows the exact same pattern in terms of who speaks when, right? Mm -hmm. They complain, they turn, you know, the the people complain to Moses, but now it's Moses with Aaron. And then it's Moses leaving, Moses and Aaron leaving the presence of the assembly, going into the tent of meeting and falling on their faces. And then the glory of the Lord appears to them, right? Mm. So, of course, the big obvious contrast is in Numbers, the tabernacle has been constructed. That's where they go to meet with the Lord, right? Uh, Whereas here we actually... It's not even exactly clear how it is that, um, when Moses cries out, right. Um, and it doesn't say the, the Lord appeared
1: mm-hmm.
0: to him. That's later. Right. Right now. It's just audio. It's just, as far as we know, it's just audio, right? No visual. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Right. It's just the speaking, right. Uh, pass on before the people taking with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you will strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink. So we brought up numbers. What other text does this make you think of?
1: Uh, Numbers 33, actually. I just just turned there because here we've got people uh, without water, but we don't have any evidence that they actually get it. So, uh, let's see here. Okay, lots of lots of strange names here. Uh, ch- chapter 33, verse 13. We'll start at 12. They set out from the wilderness of Sin and camped at Dafka? Dafka. Mm-hmm. They set out from Dafka and camped at Alush. They set out from Alush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people. Same to place, drink. Rephidim. They set out from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. And right before that, we see they were at a place where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, we don't have to camp on this, but I mean, I just, I can't help, but, well, I could help, but I'm choosing not to. (laughs) To, you know, just acknowledge that the the literary history of the Torah is complicated. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So the fact that there would have been, you know, oral traditions and stories handed on. And then over time, as they get assembled, you know what I mean? It's not implausible that there could be some, you know, moments of repetition, you know? Right. I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too skeptical about the text, but I, but I want to at least introduce the fact that, um, that, uh, like some of that material in numbers could be sort of re-narrating events. Yeah, now, I don't mean yeah. that about the numbers passage, because uh, that could be like a summary statement towards the end of numbers that kind of hits all the places yes, they've yes.
1: been. Yes, so that's numbers 33 here. It's 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 a big overview. Yeah. So it starts off, these are the signs by which the Israelites went out of the land of Egypt in military formation under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. So then it's, I mean, it's just the brief synopsis then of that.
0: Yeah, kind of, here's a geographical retelling, right? Um, because it's literally i mean from verses 8 to 37 is just a list of all the camping spots <laughs> <laughs> right and so it is it's it's uh not impossible you know cuz you know you have the red sea in in 10 so i i think that's probably the best way to interpret that as not a return uh to the to that place a third time
1: right right
0: um that's at least how I took it. That's but, how I
1: take that.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I it occurred to me I wanted to glance again, okay, I don't wanna you know, this is the the lectionary is a jumping off point. It's not the, the point. Um but there are two uh well the I I wonder if this passage has been selected because of the gospel reading for the same Sunday. Okay. Um which is from John four. Okay. Um, which is the encounter with the woman at the well. Right,
1: right. And,
0: and and Jesus says Um almost the exact words that the the people say to Moses, he says to her, says, Give me to drink.
1: Mm-hmm. You know?
0: So just as you know, the manna story in sixteen links up with the the feeding of the five thousand right. in John six, uh-huh. in a similar way, you have uh, at least one of the resonances is the the water from the rock, you know, mm-hmm. and and of course Paul says in in First uh, Corinthians that Christ is the rock, right. From which the water flows. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to I don't want to overdo it, but at the same time, it seems relevant. To at least oh. the mention water,
1: the water pouring out of his side and.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we're not we're not just doing John interpretation here, but I mean as we're moving towards the the broader sort of canonical interpretation of a passage like this. I mean it the notion that interestingly there Christ asks for the water from her,
1: right?
0: And then when she bristles, then he's like, well, of course if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked me. Uh and I would have given you water and it would have turned into a spring within you. that yeah. would have welled up and gushed forth, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here, here's a thematic connection that could be relevant towards sermon writing, and we'll, and then maybe we'll see where we want to go with that. Um, Jesus, in John 4, emphasizes the kind of water that he gives is the kind that springs up within.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the contrast, and of course she immediately says, give me this so I don't have to keep coming back to the well. But then the, the contrast can also be played out then with, with Exodus because this happens again, right?
1: Right. They have to keep coming, Mm -hmm.
0: right? And on one level, that's just part of being in a wilderness is the fact that they're not yet in the land where they're going to be able to build wells Mm -hmm. and, and have water all the time. But in, in some way, you know, that this rock kind of signifies the capacity of God to give the water of life at any time and in any place. Right. Right. Um, Even in the utterly dry desert where there's no water, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's all Mm. streams in the desert,
1: streams in the desert.
0: Well, I say we take a break and when we come back. Let's explore some sermon starters. All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest Amanda Drury, and we are looking at Exodus chapter 17, verses one through seven, and of course, putting it in the larger context of Exodus and the, the whole Moses story. So let's explore some sermon starters. If you're preaching on this text, someone just called you up and said, you know, Oh, I need you to fill in. And the, you know, everything's already, you know, bulletins already printed and we already picked a bunch of songs. <laughs> so you've got to preach on Exodus 17. <laughs> like the text is locked. Right.
1: Right. Where do you, where do you go with it? You can almost preach a sermon on how to quarrel. <laughs> uh, you know, what, what does it look like to tell God you're thirsty? You know, what are the different ways we do this? Uh, are there some ways better than others? Who are the people that you talk to? So um, so when you're grumbling, when you're thirsty, to be looking for staffs, to be looking for elders, when I'm grumbling before the Lord, I need to make sure I've got my eyes open for the staff from the Nile. Or uh, I have to be willing to accept witnesses uh, that come my way. No, I don't know. I got to play with
0: that some more. Well, I mean, it's raising a question that we could explore and then see how it would shape a sermon Mm -hmm. or could even be the question of a sermon is discerning between lament and testing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yep. Uh huh.
0: So clearly the language of testing is used here and it's used in a negative way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you know, the text doesn't give us enough detail to know about their attitude and everything else that went with it. Mm-hmm. It's just, we just get the bare story, right? Right. right. Uh, we just kind of take a, take Moses word for it that they tested him, right? That they tested the Lord by this request. Um, and you, from the beginning of our conversation today, uh, in classic Mandy fashion with the kind of, you know, with your capacity to kind of stick up for the, the little guy in a story. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're so good at like, maybe they're good, not bad. You know, it's just, you're so great at that. I love it. Um, You're kind of like saying, isn't there some, you know, appropriate lament and petition here. Right. And the fact that it's not obvious, I think just does raise an important question. Then, and I, I don't know. It could even be a question posed in a sermon. Right. Mm-hmm. How to, you know, how to petition the Lord without testing the Lord. Right. You know. Right. Do you have any thoughts or insights into into making that distinction, Uh whether they're on the surface of the text here or not, just to kind of explore that? Because I don't know how to do it. I was worried that I'm testing the Lord when I start praying, like, really confidently, you know, like, God, (laughs) please do this, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but then it's like, that feels like the way that prayer is the way we're invited to pray kind of feels like testing God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So.
1: Well, maybe don't accuse God of trying to kill you.
0: That's a good start. Maybe it's the last line. Maybe that's the key.
1: Is the Lord among us or not?
0: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we don't hear that prior to that. Right. But, I mean, that's that's like a sermon title.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? that's a good one. Yep.
0: And perhaps that's the, that may even be the key uh, to discern between lamenting and testing. Right? Right. Uh, you know, lamenting is assuming the Lord is with us, not, not assuming is the wrong word, but, um, having the faith that the Lord is with us and hoping for help, yeah, begging for help, whereas testing is prove you're among us,
1: Hmm.
0: prove it. If you're really with us, then what we're seeing wouldn't happen. Prove it. You know,
1: well, let me see parallels with Jesus then when people are asking for signs and sometimes he gives them and sometimes he doesn't.
0: Yeah. And has a general reluctance. Right. Right. But, but you know, and, and in, in the gospels, when does he do it? He says, I don't want to, I'm not going to give a sign to this generation. He'll even say it straight up. And then two verses later, give a sign. Right. Right. And it says that he has compassion on Hmm. them. Hmm. And you can see that here that the Lord is, you know, having compassion. On these thirsty people, yeah. Oh, poor people. That's why I have some sympathy to reading Moses, if not negatively, at least complicatedly here, right? Because there could be a part of the Lord just being like, "Dude, they, they just—they're just—they're just thirsty. I'll help them out."
1: Well, and I always get cotton-mouthed reading this because you start with the manna, and I just picture eating all these saltine crackers and then going days without water. <laughs> Uh, one other thing. I don't know that this will fit in anywhere here. Honestly, when I read the story, I, I identify the most with Moses because I feel like this is stuff my children do all the time. Yeah,
0: that's where my mind went immediately too.
1: You know, give us this, give us that. Oh, I'm starving. I I haven't had anything for lunch. You know, there these exaggerations, or else I have something for them, but it's not what they want. And how how I might get exasperated with that.
0: Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord, your God? That's that's exactly how I feel.
1: That's what I tell my children. When they're, yeah. <laughs> when
0: they're whining. That's how I want to translate the murmuring or grumbling in verse three. Mm-hmm. And the people whined. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's all I can hear, <laughs> you know. But I think verse four helps us to see, I think... I mean, in a sermon, we can start there, but then it helps to kind of ratchet it up a little. Right. They're ready to stone me. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So it's it's about to get violent.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I mean, they're in the desert. We need to not forget that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. When you are in the wilderness, in the desert, you know, you get desperate, and it's dangerous. This is dangerous circumstances.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think your saltines thing is that irrelevant. I mean, the Lord has provided food, but uh,
1: but man does not live by bread alone. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Well,
0: and what is it lives by the very word of God, yeah. right? Deuteronomy, and to trust the word of God because the word is precisely the life of God among us. Um, But then that still comes back to the question, man, when you're just plain thirsty, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm <laughs> sorry, you're just not that interested in, um, you know, spiritual water. It's right, when you're right, like right. gonna die, <laughs> you know? And so I think God is not only having compassion on his people, but also has befriended Moses and is being faithful to Moses to get him out of a, out of a, uh, Sticky situation. And like you said, according to the commandment of the Lord. So the Lord has directed them to a place of thirst. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, they've tested him, but he's also testing them. I mean, he's also bringing them into a situation of having to learn total dependence Mm -hmm. on God.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly what kind of sermon You know, you or I or any of our listeners want to preach, but I mean, that's the sermon that that's bubbling up for me. You know what I mean? Is the, you know, why does God lead us into the wilderness? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why does God lead us to a place without food and water? Uh, And without civilization. It's in order to provide food and water, right? It isn't, it's not to take those things away from us.
1: Right.
0: Right. so this is a fittingly, a Lent passage, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's like, um, there are seasons of life when it seems as though, and it is in fact, the Lord is depriving us of the very kinds of things that we would normally think of him as giving so that we might turn to him. And the way we turned Him matters. Right. But the fact that we turned to matters even more. I don't know. What do you think about that? Where where might you go with that or a different direction if you want?
1: Well, I see the Israelites being tested and and Moses being tested here too. Uh, I always get nervous for Moses. I mean, I try to put myself in his shoes and I think before every sign, I would have almost a panic attack. Like, is it going to work this time? Is it going to work this time? Everybody's watching. Is it going to work this time? Uh, and I, I, it makes me curious whether or not Moses has this faith that assumes God is going to come through and, you know, as he, as he had enough up until this point, or, or is this still scary for him? You know, walk through the people that want to kill you, hit this rock and then water is going to come out.
0: I think he's scared. He just said, they're almost ready to stone me.
1: Yeah. He's scared. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, all of a sudden that really helps me interpret the reference back to the Nile then.
1: Hmm. You know? maybe, yeah. Maybe that's a reminder for Moses, not just the people.
0: Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I would take it there. Because hes it's just God speaking to him then anyway. Right. The Lord said to Moses.
1: Right.
0: You know, take the staff with which you struck the Nile as if to, you don't want to get too magical about it, but mm-hmm. that struck the greatest river anyone's ever known right this is right. this this is the this is the staff that made that the river of Egypt that they're longing for right the water they used to rely on mm-hmm. made it turn to blood and become useless mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that
0: same staff can now do the inverse of that same miracle, <laughs> which is by striking a rock right the driest thing there can be to gush forth with water right right so this is you know. Um, and and hence why the weaning off of the staff becomes that much more important. Come no, come numbers, right? Right. Where right. you might some to think that this staff is what's saving us. Like, nope, nope. You know, it's the word of the Lord, not any of these objects, right? But mm-hmm. that's maybe a sermon for another day. I don't know how much you'd want to use that material from from numbers or not sure, for yeah. this sermon. Depends where you go with the sermon,
2: right? But.
1: I, I like where you were going with that. Um, you know, what do you do when God leads you out into the desert? When God puts you in this place of of intense thirst, and and you just don't see any way out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those things is you hearken back to an earlier time. There you go, and remind yourself of those times when God was faithful, when the bread did fall, when the seas did part.
0: That's the staff. Yeah. And that's the, there, there's our three points as it were past, present and future (laughs) or past, future, present. You could do it that way. You don't always have to go in chronological order, Mm -hmm. but there's that looking back he's provided before.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, and so when we ask, we ask in faith, right? James one, right. Right. And then looking forward, Recognizing this too shall pass. That's the line for, right? That this is not a permanent, uh, home. Right. Right. And sometimes it's okay to just get by, you know? And I think sometimes we think it has to be, you know, all or nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's even hidden there, even in the elders, right? Taking with you the elders. Right. So there's the kind of anticipation yeah. of a kind of full life still to come. And then the presence is just right there in that question with which it ends. Is the Lord among (laughs) us or not? Right. Right. When it comes to that question, I mean, that is the, that to me is so crucial because if that is the question underneath all of their other questions that renders those questions as acts of disbelief, because give us water to drink. Doesn't have to be a quarrelsome thing, right? That can be a humble request. So when you, when you are dry and thirsty, and you ask the Lord to give you, you know, give you water to drink. Are you also asking? Are you really here? Because that's the dangerous question. <laughs> yes. that's the dangerous yes. question. That's good. That's good. Because the, the 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 begging God for what you need. Mm-hmm. There's just mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that at all.
1: Yeah, and and I asked at the at the start. You know, well, how are they supposed to ask for water?
0: Exactly. And the I th- same th- and I
1: think this is it. It's <laughs> it's uh it's locating this in the, in the broader story, it's saying you are the God who provided bread. Mm-hmm. You're the God who parted the sea, but I'm thirsty and I'm going to die here. And mm-hmm. it's going to, uh, so the same complaints, but just with that, with that faith, that, that, you know, that in the past God has done that. And I'm asking for you to do that again.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, not everyone has a sermon title and it's not always, and even if they do, it's not always broadly broadcast, you know? But man, is the Lord among us or not? It's yeah, just a killer sermon. I feel that's like, a good one. I feel like I just want to tell our listeners, I'm like, just make that your title and see what happens. whatever you good, want. Just... That's just a really good, like, it's just so arresting.
1: It is. It is.
0: And then to kind of question the premise of the question. That's what's kind of fun is to say that actually that's where sin crouches at the door is that question. Hmm. Right?
2: Oh, that's um,
0: good. The, the giving of, uh, Asking for water, there's a non quarrelsome version of this, you know. <laughs> so, any final thoughts? I know we didn't form an exact sermon, we kind of did a couple different themes and a couple different directions that could go in different ways, but I hope it's somewhat helpful. Anything else you want to add, or any twists or developments of that? We have a little time.
1: Coming back to that question is the Lord among us or not? I know I've heard you preach sermons sometime on uh, sometimes on one sentence, focusing on one word or a pair of mm-hmm. words at a time. I wonder if you could tell that whole story through this. Yep. through this verse.
0: Yeah, you could work from the back forward would be the way to do it. Hmm. I think. Is the Lord among us or not? I'd start with the, the the reasons why we would think He's not. <laughs>
1: right, right. In their
0: life and in ours. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. There are all kinds of signs. And then you can put the emphasis as the Lord among us
1: mm-hmm.
0: is the Lord, you know, actually taking care of us or is he given up on us? Does he actually care? And so the first one, the not kind of emphasizes the kind of reasons for disbelief. And then the among us is recognizing, well, maybe we don't deserve to be taken care of. Maybe yeah. we have been disobedient. Yeah. And then to emphasize that it's precisely the Lord who is among us or not, not, is Moses here? Right. Not do we have water or not? It's the Lord himself who provides.
1: Yeah, this, you could use the, uh, what is it? Four pages of the sermon, Paul Scott Wilson, mm-hmm. their world problem, our world problem, their world solution, our world solution. Sometimes, especially if I'm stuck, I'll, I'll I will use grab that, grab a pattern like that.
0: And I'll use that and then you can do it right. Uh, the reasons why he seemed to not be with them. Yeah. Page one, Uh right? And page two, all the reasons why we might think that God is absent, you know, in individual or corporate ways. Oh, that's very good. And then return, right, to, you know, the signs of God's presence, not Mm -hmm. only the act of what he does, but the fact that God is listening and that Moses is there and Moses has commanded them. And we could, and you could roll in the stuff that we were talking about, about looking back. of course he's here. You've let, he's led you here. He's taken care of you before. He's brought manna. He brought you through the Red Sea. He did all those 10 things, all the, all the, all the 10 uh, plagues, right? Clearly he has been with us up to this point. And then in our own lives, what are some signs? Look back. It'd be a good exercise even to do where you actually have pause and just say, I know right now it might not seem right that God's at work, but when did you see? got at work and you believed it then, even if you're doubting it now, yeah. when was a yeah. time when yep. you, when you had reason to believe?
2: Yeah,
0: that's good. No, that's a good, that's a good outline. And since we didn't give anybody the outline, this is a good, that's a good one to follow. Um, and you can still center it around the, is the Lord among us or not? And right. that's good. I like it. That's a good suggestion. Thanks. I've used that one many times mm-hmm. in preaching. It's a mm-hmm. nice structure it in is. case we'd mentioned it, I think once or twice before on, on pop, but I'll mention it. It's Paul Scott Wilson. And the book is called The Four Pages of the Preacher, and I think. I that think sound right? that sounds right. And uh, and and actually, you can – I mean, I recommend the book actually quite highly. But, you know, if you find – you might even find a, a short summary of it on the web somewhere, I'm sure. But, yeah. uh, but it, it, it is a helpful kind of uh, basic sort of the problem and the grace, the problem in their world, the problem in our world the grace in their world and the grace in ours. No, oh, that's cool. Well, with that said, I think we should wrap it up. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amanda, for the yeah. time that you've gave. Uh, thanks to all our listeners, as always. And big thanks to Todd and Eric for their production work. I can't imagine doing this without them. And thanks to Tom Adamson for uh, uh, donating the theme music. And with that said, we say have a great preach and a good week. Oh, I said it backwards. I always mess that up. <laughs> have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.